If we were Moses, he would be telling us to take off our shoes. We're standing on holy ground. God is making this a holy place by his presence today. And I sense great need in the congregation, but I sense the God who is able to meet the need. And that is why I have faith today. Matthew chapter number 30. Matthew chapter 30, if we would turn there, please. I want to welcome uh, Shawan, am I saying that right? Shawan with us. This is uh, Brother Maurice's, or he probably goes by Andre at work. His co-worker, glad to have Shawan with us. And it's good to have my good friend Jonathan here today, amen. Matthew chapter 30, 31 through 32. In the New Living Translation it says, Here is another illustration. Jesus used, and he said, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds. If you're feeling a little insignificant today, this message should encourage you. It's not just a small seed, but he says it's the smallest of all seeds. But it becomes the largest of garden plants. It grows into a tree, sometimes up to about 12 feet tall, and birds come and make nests in its branches. It starts out about the size of the point on a pencil or a pen, and it grows into a tree that can house birds provide shade there is exponential potential in seeds there are exponential potential in seeds and today we're going to talk a little bit about that and how that relates to our life because though we may feel like the smallest of people today though we may feel insignificant and Maybe it's our situation that seems insurmountable. Through Christ, we can not only overcome, but we can thrive. We can not only be someone who is able to live abundantly in Christ by ourselves, but we can provide for others as well. Lord Jesus, we're thankful for your word today. Thankful for your spirit that's begun to move in this place as we have properly acknowledged you and begun to shed all of our concerns and cares and the desires of this life that so easily rise up in our minds and our hearts and the worries and the cares and all the things going on in our world. And those things surely are besetting and they're difficult and they are a struggle and I don't belittle that today. But for the next few moments, help us to focus more on you than any of our problems. Help us to focus more on your word than anything else. And if our mind does start to wonder that we would discipline ourselves and bring it back into subjection and, and receive your word for our lives today. Because I believe you have a word for each and every one of us. 
And I ask you to help me to communicate that word. And I ask you to help everyone, including myself, to receive that word. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated if you will stay awake. If not, just remain standing because it will be easier. John Chapman was born in Leo Minster, Massachusetts in 1774, just a few years ago. John was not a man of great stature, extraordinary talent, or charismatic personality. Instead, John was considered by some accounts to be rather eccentric and even, quote, funny-looking. He was not someone who you would clamor to for a selfie to post online. Yet despite his very common appearance and his lack of noteworthy abilities, John solidified himself in American legend and folklore for one primary reason. John knew the potential of seeds. In fact, he carried a leather bag filled with apple seeds everywhere he went. Buying plots of land and creating orchards. Starting at the age of 18, he spent the next 50 years navigating several states. Sowing apple seeds that are no doubt still producing fruit to this very day. This man, described as a man of medium height, blue eyes, light brown hair, slender, wiry, and alert, is known to us today as Johnny Appleseed. A common man became a legend, and no doubt you have probably heard his story at some point in your life, even if just in passing. His name remains alive in our society simply by knowing, and not just knowing, but exercising faith about the potential of a seed. He understood he was not wasting his time to go around and literally spend his life planting seeds. He wasn't just concerned about even his own life, but he had a desire that other people would be able to enjoy the fruits of his labor. That the seeds he planted would help generations to come to enjoy a hot apple pie on Thanksgiving. To be able to bite into a crisp apple on a hot, sunny day. He knew that seeds had potential if he would act in faith and plant that seed and let it germinate and grow. And it would long outlive his life. If you were to take one apple today, and I hate to admit it, but in my haste to leave the house, I left the apple at home. But if you were to have an apple, I think we all have seen enough apples to picture one in our mind's eye. Whether it's red or green or yellow doesn't really matter, but if you were to picture that apple and you were to cut that apple in half, you can easily count the number of seeds contained in the apple. Somebody with a very, very 
rudimentary education can sit there and count seeds in an apple. Typically, you're not even going to get two double digits. Not too difficult. Anyone can see how many apple, any, how many seeds are in an apple. Anybody can count how many seeds are in an apple, but only God can see how many apples are in a seed. Only God knows if that one seed is planted, how many apples of harvest year after year after year after year will be produced by that one seed. And it doesn't just stop with the apples that come off that tree, but if anybody is to take a seed from one of those apples that comes from that one seed, you have a whole nother multiplication. So that out of that one apple seed, literally millions upon millions of apples can be produced from one apple seed. One small, seemingly insignificant seed. And that is why the Lord encouraged us in Matthew as we read that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It's, it doesn't seem that significant. It seems so small and insignificant. It doesn't seem like much, but when that seed is planted in the right soil and that seed is allowed to grow, it becomes a large tree much, much, much larger than itself, not only benefiting itself, but benefiting the life of others. Another point in the Bible said, if we will just have the faith as of a grain of mustard seed, that we can speak to a mountain and it can be removed and cast into the sea. And it's encouraging because any of us should be able to muster up a little bit of mustard seed faith. But the thing about mustard seed faith is it doesn't stay That small. Mustard seed faith doesn't just speak to the size of the seed in the beginning, but it speaks to the growth that occurs in the days after it's planted. And we need to understand today that God is thankful for what we give Him. He uses what we give Him. But whatever you've given Him to this point, if you will continue to give yourself, will not remain the same. We can't just be satisfied with giving Him our mustard seed faith. We can't just be satisfied with whatever we've done for Christ to this point. But we have to be willing to continue to submit ourselves to a process of growth. None of us have arrived. None of us can sit back and say, I guess I've done a lot of good things and it's time to just hit the cruise control until Jesus comes. God has more for every single one of us. What is a seed? I think we all understand, but just humor me to say what a seed is. It's a copy of the plant it came from. Genetically, it has all the information needed to grow into a complete plant. God put everything inside of it that is necessary to grow another plant. But at that point, it is simply potential. It has everything it needs, but it's just potential unless it is allowed to grow. A seed with a thicker coat, just something for your consideration today, may need to be scarred or cracked. 
and to ensure that it is able to break outside of its shell and germinate. You may have some scars, you may have some cracks on your exterior today, but I would submit to you that may be the very avenue from which God can grow through you and shine through you and produce growth through your life, through the scars that you despise. There are five basic conditions to which seeds grow. Light, water, soil, time, and temperature. And as Christians, we need these things in our life. Number one, light. Sunlight, which changes in length and intensity throughout the year, is a plant's signal to start germinating at the right time. God put the ability in nature for a seed to understand that certain sunlight means it's time to grow. It's time to go. It's time to move. It's time to come out of the ground and get beyond the surface. It's time to push my way out of my current situation. It's time to grow. And notice that Psalm 119.105 says that His Word is a lamp unto my what? Feet. It tells me when and where to go. Just like sunlight gives direction to a seed when and where to grow. Because it begins to grow toward the sun, right? Because that's where the health comes from. As close as I can get to the sun. Wherever I can receive the sun. And its branches go outward in order to receive from Him. And when we open up ourselves as we've tried to do in worship. And we raise our hands. We're not just trying to show everyone how long our arms are. We're not signaling touchdown. We are trying to receive. We are showing God, I surrender. I receive from you. Let your light shine in my life because there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is destruction and it's death. So if I'm directing my own footsteps, I even think I'm going the right way. Sometimes we are blessed by the grace of God to know we're heading the wrong way and we continue to walk for a season and repent. But sometimes we think we're doing what's right when we're going the wrong way. That's why we need the Word of God. This world has many people that are heading the wrong direction. They're walking down a path of destruction because they are ignoring God's Word. God wants to bless them. God wants to show them the path of life. God wants to reveal abundant life. But they ignore His Word and therefore they continue walking in the wrong direction. It's as if they are a seed growing straight down deeper into the ground but never coming to the surface. Number two, we need water. And believe it or not, there's some raindrops on the windows outside. And in this state where we are so used to water, at least in this area, I should clarify, 
We are so used to it. It has been months since we've had very much of it. But it is vital to the life of seeds. There are some seeds that need to be completely immersed in water to even begin to germinate. This is an obvious parallel to baptism. We need to be completely immersed in water in the name of Jesus Christ for new life to begin. But the Bible doesn't just speak about water baptism. It also talks about spirit baptism. When we are baptized with water and spirit, a new life begins. This is not just a religious dogma that we hold to as a particular fellowship or denomination. This is all throughout the Word of God. Born again of the water and the spirit. Baptized in the water in the name of Jesus. Baptized in the fire of the Holy Ghost. It's not just part of life. It's essential for life. We need to be baptized in water and in spirit. If we're ever going to reach potential for God. Number three is soil. Our soil will determine our health and strength. The better the soil, the healthier and stronger the plant. Okay, I know I'm not trying to insult anybody's intelligence. You're, you may be sitting there. Why is he telling me these things I already know? It's good to learn about things you already know because you don't have to think so hard. Jesus likes simple parables because we're not spending all day trying to figure out what in the world he's talking about. We can actually receive it. Okay, So I'm not insulting anyone's intelligence. I believe you know these things. But instead of tuning me out because you know it, apply it to your life. The soil is important. Ephesians 3 tells us that we need to be rooted and grounded in love. The soil in our life needs to be surrounded and infiltrated with love. We need to have God's Spirit in everything we do because God is love, right? So if we don't have the Spirit of God surrounding everything we do, we can't truly grow. Because it is His Spirit that is a source of love. And if I need to be a better person, I need God's love. Okay? Self-help books are nice in some ways. But just thinking I can, like the little engine that could, is not enough. We need a supernatural interaction and to be surrounded often with God's love. Psalm 1.1 tells us if we will, we went through this study a couple weeks ago, the, the message might even be online, but we took time on a Tuesday to go through Psalm 1 and what it says, um, the very quick version is, if you will listen to the counsel of the ungodly, you're going to perish. But if you listen to the counsel of the godly, that is God's word and his followers that are obeying his word, and you will meditate on his word day and night, you will think about his word constantly, then you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that will bring forth fruit in its season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That sounds like the kind of life I want to live. Where everything I do prospers. 
And it's not, again, because of me, but it's because I'm planted right next to the river. I am firmly planted in the source of life. That's why everything I do will succeed. And number four is time. Time is crucial in the germination process. As in every business, it is usually better to get things done sooner rather than later. In our desire, it's always better to get things done sooner rather than later. Yet some things cannot be hurried because they need to be done right. The farmer does no good by going out and staring at his field. He gets to the planting season. He knows he's going to just need to go and relax for a while. Maybe water, maybe do some things to cultivate a little bit. But no matter how much time he stands there and stares at his crop, the process will not speed up. In some of our situations, whether they be problems or they be areas of growth in our Christian life, we think by our constant attention, something's going to change. By just staring at it hard enough, something is going to change. But some things only come with time. So go ahead and put on your seatbelt and wait. Calm down. Relax. Chillax. It's going to be a while and you can't do anything about it. The final thing is temperature. Temperature is very important to growth. If a seed is in an environment lacking the right temperature, its chance of success is severely limited, even if all the other elements are present. Temperature is important. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 through 16, this is what we were doing during worship today. Where we were changing the temperature in here. Not just to make us sweat. We weren't just trying to turn this into a place of where we're sweating. I'm not talking about that temperature. Everybody is suddenly conscious of how warm they are. But spiritually, we were turning up the heat a little bit. We're pressing in, because Revelation 3, 15-16 tells us, I know your works, that you're neither hot nor cold. I would you were cold or hot, so then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew you or spit you out of my mouth. We can't just be lukewarm and expect to grow in Christ. We can't just expect to put nothing into it and receive a bunch from it. Okay, and just a real quick note because we have a lot of marrieds here today. You can't expect to just smile at your spouse every once in a while and expect them to be happy with their life. Now ultimately Jesus is our provider and our main source of joy and love and peace and all that. But it's going to take some investment for it to work. 
I know you're God's gift to the opposite sex. I know that you can just strut down the road and whistles abound. But even though all those things are true, you need to invest a little bit. You need to do something to prove your love. Well, I told you last year. What else do you want? Nothing's changed since then. Why can't you just believe me? You mean you don't have those flowers I bought you? They tend to wilt after a couple years. You threw them away? You've got to invest something. And it's the same with Jesus Christ. He is more about a relationship than a religion. He wants us to be connected to Him. He wants us to talk to Him. So our main motivation for prayer and for reading the Bible should be we are investing in Him, in our relationship with Him. Not just trying to be religious, but we are trying to invest in our relationship with Him. And if you want to do something for Christ, you have to invest in the body. You can't expect the body to respect you if you don't invest in the body. You can't expect people to trust you if you're not reliable. You can't expect them to really, really care for you if you aren't showing concern for them. Does that make sense? I know it's simple. But if we want to do something for God, we have to be willing to turn up the temperature to where we're not apathetic about things, but we are passionate about things. Temperature changes the soil. In my geology class, we discussed it in greater detail, but when Mount St. Helens erupted and that hot lava flowed down the side of the face of that mountain... When things began to grow afterwards, it was a complete different type of vegetation. There was plants growing on Mount St. Helens that never grew before the eruption because the heat of the lava changed the molecular makeup of the soil and new plants could grow that could never grow before. If we want love, joy, peace... Those type of things. We have to have the Spirit change our inner person. If as it flows through us, it gives us that ability to not be so selfish and to truly care. And to not just put on a smile, but really have joy behind the smile. To not just fake it but truly enjoy the day that the Lord has made. It's possible only through the Spirit of God. In conclusion today, whoever's playing the piano can come. We're going to respond to the Word of the Lord shortly because again, we don't want to let this seed just be stolen away as soon as we walk out the doors. 
want to take just a few moments and let God talk to us a little bit about what we've heard. But when we find in the Old Testament a story of Abraham and Sarah, and, and God told Abraham and Sarah on one occasion, He said, Behold, I will make thee fruitful, Genesis 48.4, and I will multiply you, and I will make of you. Everybody say, of you. That's not too hard. Now try the harder one. Of me. God will make of you. God will make of me. The Lord was telling them and making it personal. I'm going to make it out of you a multitude of people. I will give this land to your seed, your offspring, after you for an everlasting possession. He told Abraham in Genesis 18, or he said of Abraham rather, Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. This is God who cannot lie. Abraham is going to surely become a great and mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Because what God wanted to put in Abraham was so much greater than Abraham. What God wanted to establish through Abraham was not just the Jewish nation, but the nation that would share the Lord with the world. The nation that anybody could join. And now, even more so, we can all become part of Abraham's offspring through being born again of the water and the Spirit. He promised Abraham, I'm putting in you a seed, and through that seed, I will bless the world. I will make a mighty nation. Upon hearing these promises, I believe we can gain encouragement from the response of Sarah and Abraham. They laughed. They didn't laugh because of joy. They didn't laugh with joy saying, Yes, it's going to happen. The Lord's going to bless me. He's going to grow something great out of me. They laughed with unbelief. They laughed like, Ha! Me? Ha! No. Not me. Haven't you seen all my problems? Haven't you seen all the mistakes I've made? Haven't you seen that it's even physically impossible? For this to happen. Me? They laughed because they didn't think God could do it through them. And today you're sitting here. Probably if I was to really drill down. There would be something that eventually you would hit a wall. And say that's too big. God could do something great in me if, if I hadn't done this, if I hadn't done that, if I didn't have this in my life, but if I didn't have that in my life. There would be something that eventually you would disqualify yourself that God could do something truly great in you. But the thing is, God came to break down every wall. God is a great wrecking ball. And He can break through every wall. But we have to let him. The only one who can stop 
is us. We have free will. God gave us the ability to say, no, Lord, go ahead and move the construction equipment on to somebody else because you just can't do it here. The only thing that can limit God is our unbelief. And the Bible instructs us not to limit the Holy One of Israel. So it is possible. I'm not just saying something that is not true. But the good news today is if we will just set aside that and just say, Lord, I am open to you. I will let you plant something great in me. And I will commit to submit myself to a process where you can grow that thing inside of me. So you can develop what it is you want to do inside of me. The very purpose I was ever created for. You know Jesus. You had my life all mapped out before I was ever born. And you saw all my mistakes. You saw all my failures. You saw everything that I was going to do. And yet you had a plan. And I know I may not do everything that I thought I was going to do. But I want to do the best from this day forward that I've ever done. And that I could ever even imagine. I want to submit myself to you to do something great in my life, Jesus. I promise if you'll submit yourself, I don't know exactly what he's going to do. But I know he's going to do something great in every single person who will allow him to. It happens over and over and over again in scripture and in real life. Anybody who will say, here I am, Lord, use me. They were never perfect. They were never without mistake. They were never someone who lit everything right except for Jesus Christ himself. Every other person was someone who knew the taste of bitter failure. Who knew what it was to fail time and time again. Who knew what it was to look impossibility in the face. Who knew what it was to say, I don't know how this is ever going to get done. But I know if I can just make my way to Jesus. If I can somehow press through the crowd of all the opposition and all the struggle and everything that's going on in the world around me, if I'll just forget about everything else and I'll just make my way to Jesus, then I know that some way and somehow Jesus can reach down and He can touch me and He can do a miracle in my life. If today today you need something from Him, I encourage you to just rise up and lift up your hands and begin to receive. Begin to just say to the Lord, Here I am, Jesus. Touch my life today. Touch my heart today. Lord, I don't know how you can fix this, but Lord, I know that you're able. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. I'll go wherever you ask me to go, Jesus, because you're greater than my problem. You're greater than my circumstance. You're greater than anything that I could face, Jesus. I give myself to you today, God. If you'll just do that, I promise you, God's going to touch you today. I can't promise everything's going to be made right. I can't promise it's going to immediately change. But I know that God's going to at least change your attitude about it. God's going to at least give you some joy and some peace. God's going to change you, help you grow just a little bit more. You're going to sprout just a little bit more branch over here. Just a little bit more fruit over there. Just a little bit more of this. Just a little bit more of that. If you just reach your hand toward heaven and say, just give me a little bit of that sun just let the glory of God shine on me today I know that I can be changed I know that I can be made new 
reach out to Him today. I encourage you. There's no shame in crying out to God in this church. In this church, you can you have the freedom to lift up your voice. In this church, nobody's going to look at you weird because you really reach out, because you really cry out, because we've all been there. We're all, we may even be there today, but we've got to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Lord, I want to be changed by you. I want you to do something great in my life. I'm tired of being the same. I'm tired of being the same. I'm tired of making the same mistakes. I'm tired of falling to the same sin over and over and over. Lord, give me some strength today to be able to look my enemy in the eye and say, get thee behind me, Satan, because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Rejoice not against me, oh my enemy, for when I fall, I shall rise. The Lord's going to cause you to rise up today as you reach out to Him. Let's turn this into a house of prayer today. God said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. God wants you to connect with Him today so He can touch you today, so He can bless you today. It's okay to shed a few tears. It's okay to cry out with everything within you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you. Jesus, touch my life today. Jesus is in this place. And He loves you. He loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've gone. He loves you today with an everlasting love. He wants to help you. He wants to touch you. He wants to set you free. Oh, to you I belong, Jesus. Come on, give yourself away. I want you to be set free today. I want you to be set free. I want you to feel the love of God today. I want you to leave this place knowing that God is with me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Come on. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Sorry, right now. I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost. You're good. You're good. Not because you had an abortion. But I'm telling you, God is the one who can forgive you and heal you from your abortion. In the name of Jesus Christ. Give it to Jesus today. And walk away. Set free. Walk away. Get up and deliver. God wants to deliver you from your prison of your abortion. God wants to set you free today. God wants to change you today. Life is not my He's a chain breaker. He's a chain breaker. Let him set you free. My life is not my own. To you I belong. Give my soul. Give my soul to you. Oh, my life. My life is not my own.